Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of the Allegro Podcast. In this episode, I talk to Casey Comber. Casey ran cross-country and track at Villanova University. At Villanova, Casey was a 9-time Big East champion, 5-time All-American, runner-up at the 2019 NCAA Championships in the Mile, and his list of accolades goes on. In this episode, we talk about how Casey started running, what it's like running at Villanova, the behind-the-scenes of his many collegiate races and recent Olympic trials race, his upcoming races, and much more. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Allegro. Allegro. Thanks so much for joining me today, Casey. To start things off, can you please introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you started running? How I started running? Yeah. So yeah, I'm Casey Comer. I, uh, I'm recently finished up at Villanova University and I'm kind of striking out on my own in the running world now, um, trying to see where that takes me. Wow. How I started running. Uh, I don't know. I always, I always go all the way back to elementary school and I say, I credit some of my success in running to living downhill from my elementary school. Cause I would leave, uh, basically I would leave school every day. My mom would walk up, walk up to school. I'd come out, say hi, she'd say, how was your day? And then I'd hand her my backpack and run home. Uh, I had a friend who went to private school who would uh, be like waiting to hang out cause he got out earlier than me. And I was tr- always trying to beat him home. So um, that's my first memory of running really. And then like, you know, the mile run and elementary and middle school, I would always get hyped for just cause it was something that I was good at. Um, and then eventually I transitioned over from soccer to running, you know, after my freshman year of high school, I didn't run cross country my freshman year of high school, but I ran track. And then I really felt like I came, became a part of that team probably my sophomore year. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, like I like to ask, uh, like every guest on the podcast, this question, uh, but from the moment you started running to present day, what do you consider your greatest running accomplishment? Oh, geez. Okay. Um, so I think that I had my, in my best year, I was, I was 34th in cross country. Um, and we were able to make it there as a team, which was, which was awesome. Um, and then the indoor season, I, uh, I broke four minutes in the mile for the first time and was second at NCAA indoors, which was really kind of a breakout season for me. And then despite, you know, not feeling like I I achieved all I wanted to. I was eighth outdoors. And so I managed to go all American all three seasons, which was, which was obviously huge. But I think that the most lasting memory for me in all of college was winning at the Penn relays, which I think that it means a lot more to us than it does maybe to some other schools. Cause it's, it's really a tradition at Villanova. But when we went down there um, and to be honest, if for me, I, I was thinking more about, you know, national championships in the end of the season. And I was thinking, you know, this is kind of like a mid season meet, but it's really not for, for us. We have, you know, sections of, you know, a hundred, 200 alumni sitting in the corner, you know, cheering us on and all our current and former teammates, parents, stuff like that. Um, so it was really kind of a, uh, kind of a hype moment to be able to win there. And because the relays, you know, you have the team aspect as well and just getting, uh, embracing your teammates as you cross the line is, is special. Yeah, that, that's really cool. We'll touch a little bit more on like the whole pen relays experience later in this episode because like I, I saw it like when I was doing like preparing for this episode, like 
I know Villanova just has such a like tradition uh, regarding uh, pen relays, but um, yeah, relating to you were talking about cross country and like your three season All American performances. Uh, what do you prefer more, cross country or track? Um, you know, I honestly. It- I feel like I'm pretty balanced on that. I think the rest of my career is going to be more on the track than cross country. Obviously there's really no, there's not much of a, you know, of a professional cross country circuit, but I mean, I'll always remember cross country fondly. I think that it was just like, it's really just like raw racing. Like you're not thinking about times and you're not thinking about um, like kind of the superficial aspects to what the sport really is. And that's racing. So I always loved cross country, even if maybe, you know, the 10 K distance wasn't, wasn't my best. I think that that really got at what I, what I loved most about the sport, which was just competing and trying to beat people. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. Uh, like I feel like the common denominator of like all of these podcast episodes that I've done is like every person I've talked to just loves competing. And yeah, I can definitely see that side re- relating to cross country. Like, because like it could be pouring, it could be snowing sometimes, but in a cross country race, you're not necessarily going for times, but you're just going to compete. So yeah, definitely agree. Cross country for me uh, is my favorite sport, but my favorite season, but I, I, honestly, I like all of them. Indoors is also really cool. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that because you had a really interesting indoor race a few years ago. Uh, but now relating to college, uh, you said, uh, as we said, you ran at Villanova, um, and for decades, Villanova has been known to be one of the top track and field schools in the country with, like, runners such as uh, Eamon Coughlin, uh, Sidney Murray, um, let's see, your coach, Marcus O'Sullivan. So, yeah, just a number of yeah. really big uh, running legends. Um, yeah, so what was it like running uh, at such a historically uh, good program and like having all that history surrounding you yeah i mean it obviously it's really cool and something that attracted me there um i think that you know anybody who walks into our new locker room that was built a few years ago sees a wall of basically all the NCAA champions are like they're like running together on a wall like there there are pictures of them uh crossing the finish line or running in their various NCAA championship races and you see all the faces to those names that you're just talking about you know the Eamon Coglins marcus's the sydney marie's the adrian blinkos um and then on the women's side emily lapari and uh sheila reed you know uh carrie tollefson i i think it i think it's really cool and they've done a good job kind of embracing the history and like making that a part of the experience for everyone that runs there now and then around pen relays time you know uh alumni come back and you you actually get to meet some of these people so i remember you know talking to some alumni and hearing stories from their day. And like, it's really cool hearing the perspective of kind of the older alumni and seeing them come back to support the current team. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely really cool. Uh, like recently I got really into like the history of running because like, I feel like I've been into like the sport, like current and like the current events and like all of the races that are happening currently, like for, for quite a while now, but I got, got really into like the history of the sport, like learning about Steve Prefontaine, Frank Shorter, Dave Waddle, uh, and like the, those Villanova legends that I previously mentioned. And yeah, the history is really exciting of the sport. So that's su- super cool that you had those opportunities. Um, yeah, that's really cool. 
Uh, going to like present day, um, at Villanova, obviously an amazing team in cross country and track. Um, what's it like training uh, with some of the best runners in the country on a daily basis? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's certainly fun, and I, I think that it was it was interesting because we had quite a variety of different strengths in our team. So Andrew Marston was somebody who I, I trained with like my entire career, and he's from the he's from the area, and he was probably more of you know a five k, ten k guy, probably even moving up to like the half now that he's done with college. And he really pushed me in areas that maybe you know he was stronger in that you know I needed some work in, especially early on in my in my career, like going for long tempos. Um, you know, we did things based on heart rate, but a lot of times when I was running with him, I'd stretch it a little bit just to, just to like, just to keep up really, uh, really for pride, I guess. But um, he also just, uh, I think of, you know, some of the lifestyle choices that uh, my teammates have helped me with like things off the track. Uh, he's somebody I definitely think of. And then this year we had um, Sean Dolan obviously ran great and he made the semis at the trials in the 800 um, and, Charlie O'Donovan as well uh, had a, a strong cross season and ran ran 340. So being able to mix it up with those guys and Sean being someone who's definitely more of like a he's really explosive, like a powerful athlete, like has a lot more on the speed side. Um, definitely challenged me uh, in more ways than one. Yeah, that that, that that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I know. Like the the team aspect might be must be so good because like like you said, like the light. Li- for the whole lifestyle aspect, like uh, you guys working together off the track, uh, like pushing each other to, you know, stay focused uh, and like focus on your goals. And then like even on the track, uh, like pushing each other in workouts, that must be really exciting. Uh, and yeah, was, was that always like something that existed at Villanova in during like your time there or was that more recent? Yeah, I mean, I think it always existed to some extent, but I think that that my class and like the uh, I, t- I should give credit to like the class a year older than me, Zach Swanson is somebody I think of who did a good job like setting the tone for the culture, uh, like as we move forward. I, I think the 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 upper class when I came in, we had like the Jordy Williamses, the Pat Tiernans, the Rob Denos. We had like a ton of stars in our team, and it was just a, di- a little bit of a different makeup than it was later on when our class got to the top when we didn't have like as many accomplishments on paper and we were really like trying to build that culture and all get better together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Marcus has always done a good job, uh, kind of influencing the culture of the team and getting everybody in the right headspace. And I admire my, my teammates, uh, for really like we embracing the college experience and having fun and making it and making it enjoyable, but also like being able to balance that with kind of the mission at hand and the reason why we all came to Villanova to compete. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So now transitioning a little bit to your, uh, to your race career, uh, at Villanova, uh, I found online that, uh, you raced, uh, like in the uniform 88 times or you had, yeah, you had 88 races, for Villanova. Uh, and I'm sure like every single one of those races have their own stories, uh, like lead ups, the race experience, like after the race, everything. But I just want to talk about like a few of those like key races that like I found when I was preparing for this. Um, some of them actually occurred before I got like seriously into running. Uh, I'm pretty like relatively new to sport being like a senior in high school. Um, but yeah, first, um, I want to talk about Penn Relays, which you mentioned earlier on. 
Yeah, so like from reading articles and watching interviews, I can tell that Penn Relays is like an extremely significant and exciting uh, meet for Villanova athletes. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the excitement surrounding the meet that you and your team shared and a little bit about the atmosphere in general? Yeah, I mean, like when when people were actually allowed to, you know, come and pack the stands to the meet, it was, it was yeah, an incredibly exciting atmosphere. And for us, it's really the whole week leading up to um, alumni are around campus. You can tell there's kind of a different atmosphere. Marcus is a little nervous. He's yelling at us to put our sweats on in between reps and the workouts. Um, and then we, what we always do pretty much is take the train down to the stadium. That's something that like, you know, in the past, the team has always done. And Marcus is like um, kind of about that tradition. So at least the men's team, we, we take the train down. And then, you know, it's just chaos. There's so many people down there. You got to check in way ahead of time and you're in the paddock. People are yelling at you, trying to get you, get you organized because they're like setting races off like boom, 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 boom. Um, it's really like a well-oiled machine down there. But I, I, I mean, I remember like our most successful year where we won the DMR and, and the four by mile. I remember lining up and Notre Dame had just gotten second indoors. Uh, this was Nagusa's freshman year. Um, so they had just gotten second indoors. We knew, knew Georgetown had a solid team. I think Indiana was in there. Uh, and then you you get out on the track, and I was anchoring, and um, I feel it, like the world just kind of stands still while you watch everyone run around the track. There's the audience, the the people in the stands are roaring. There's all kinds of noises, and uh, I just think I think I blocked that all out while I was watching the race, and then. Early on in that first race, it was the DMR. I know George. I think Georgetown dropped the baton. Um, Indiana was up front, Notre Dame. And then I got the baton. Everything was kind of just like, it was almost like everything was a, a blur and my body like knew what to do, knew how to take over. And then um, being able to experience that with the other three guys in that relay and then coming back the next day and uh, winning the four by mile in front of our alumni who I can remember I during the race, it was like, I, I, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what was going on, but I remember our our fans and alumni cheering us on and uh, going to see them after the race. It was just it was just a special moment. It's hard to even describe, honestly, until you go and experience it either in the stands or on the track at least once because you know it's just different. Wow, yeah, that, that that's amazing. Uh, like I I remember reading it's like Villanova has its own like I think you even said this like you guys have your own like fan sections. So many people come out to see you guys. That, that's really amazing. Uh, haven't gotten the chance to run at Penn Relays yet uh, or even like watch it because like, I mean, it's been canceled uh, like recently, but I mean, Penn Relays just from seeing like YouTube videos and stuff like that seems really cool. So th that's really cool, especially since you guys, you were the anchor like for those two like amazing races. So yeah, Penn Relay is just amazing me just from like a remote spectator standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So talking about another race, uh, indoor track this time. Um, so the 2019 indoor NCAA championship mile. Okay. The, the 2019 NCAA championships, you raced the mile. Um, and that was a super competitive field. Um, like many national champions in there. Um, and even now you have like some like Olympians from this past month who were in that field. So, can you talk a little bit about like the lead up to that race and like how that race went for you? Um, because that was a super competitive race, like I said, and like those last two laps, you guys really picked it up and it was really just like a kick to the finish line. 
So what was that race like? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I guess like just backing up, thinking about that season, we had come off a good cross season and kind of just rode it into indoors. And I had told Marcus, like, you know, I kind of want to run the mile this season and see how fast I can go thinking, you know, maybe I can break four minutes, uh, like have a solid season and, and make nationals. And, uh, when I ended up going to Boston middle of that season and running great, I was second to Walid Suleiman, who's now running for Brooks. Uh, but he's a friend of mine. He ran for Ole Miss. Uh, then, you know, went throughout the season. I was feeling really good going into it. Had won a big East, uh, had run about, I think I'd run four flat to win big East in the mile. And it felt like I could definitely go faster and then, um, had some solid races, but, Went into that meet kind of knowing that there weren't a ton of expectations on me. I'd never really, you know, I'd never really run individually at that level. Um, I think Ali Hor was the big favorite going into that into that meet, and I just really wanted to make the final. Uh, thinking about the prelims and went through the prelim, and it's it's again one of those things where uh, you're super super nervous until you get on the start line, and then everything's kind of a blur. Uh, and Sam Worley uh, had made a move a couple laps in. And I was able to get second in my prelim and squeak through to the final. And then the next day, I, I remember like I, I, there's just this feeling when you're fit, kind of where you're jumping out of the, out of bed in the morning and you're like excited, you're smiling, you're ready to race. And I definitely felt that. And then 45 minutes before the race, I remember how nervous I was, knowing that like I had a chance to do something special and like really trying to calm myself down. And I remember Marcus, one of his uh, one of his lasting quotes in my mind is like. Um, he could tell how, how nervous I was. And he said, no one's dying today, you know, just go out and do your best. Um, which is, is implied, I feel like, but it's nice to actually hear someone say it. Um, then yeah, went out there and, you know, I, in, in hindsight, I think I could have been a little bit more aggressive and maybe made a move to the lead. I just didn't have that much experience running on that level yet. Jordy Beamish made the move to the front and I couldn't get around kind of with, uh, with 200 to go. And I was able to like pick off Ollie Hoare just at the end, but not catch Jordy. And, you know, he had a well-deserved championship and, you know, I know, I don't want to say I was happy with second, but I was definitely like, I was definitely surprised and excited with, you know, having a good performance there. Yeah. That, that's really amazing. I just rewatched that uh, race video this morning and I was like, Oh my gosh, that that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually there's, there's one funny story about that too. After the prelims, I remember like people, including me, were making fun of Jordy Beamish because he had gotten in on an altitude conversion. I think his like mile PR was technically like 405 or 406. It's like, man, I can't believe you got in. You only ran 406. And then, of course, like I was second to him the next day in the final. And I promised to never make fun of altitude conversions again. Yeah, yeah. There's so so many conversions. Like there's like the flat track altitude. But at the end of the day, it's like in that final race, anything can happen no matter like what time gets you into the meet. Uh, so speaking of indoor track, uh, what's your favorite like venue to race at indoors? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I mean, I broke four for the first time and ran well at BU and that's always known as a fast track and I definitely felt it that day. So I guess I would say BU was, was my favorite track that I've run on. Uh, what else do I like? I, I really liked Iowa State's 300 meter flat track, even though I didn't necessarily run well there when we were there and it was 10 degrees with like a foot of snow on the ground. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'd still say BU is my favorite. I like Ocean Breeze. Like, just the area around there is really cool if you've run there. Yeah, Ocean Breeze is great. I've only run there once, uh, but it's really the facility and, like, the warm-up area. And then, yeah, the surrounding area, like, around the, the building is really cool. Uh, yeah, I've also been I, – I, I went to the Armory to watch the Milrose games, like, early 2020. And that, that like, environment was so cool. It just, like – because – it just it seems like a very just like tight knit like running centric like place where just like everyone knows what they're watching everyone's super excited the like the audience is just super loud that was really cool just because I, I watched that as a spectator but i'm sure like when you're running there too you can just feel the audience and like it just seems super cool yeah the armory is cool too it's i don't know it there are there are so many cool indoor facilities it, it is hard to choose i just I think Ocean Breeze was new my maybe my second year of college and like it was pretty cool going there for the first time warming up on the boardwalk and and all that. My brother goes to school in Boston so it was cool running up there and I had a couple friends that came out to the meet and obviously ran great. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to choose honestly, but yeah, I I'd, I'd still go with Boston. Yeah. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's it's interesting. Like I haven't run at Boston, but so many people just praise that big track and I know like so like most people like this may just be like the people like I'm exposed to most but a lot of people say that they broke four the first time at BU so yeah that I can definitely see why that's just such an amazing track. Yeah there's actually a there's a big uh, article on like the engineering of the track and kind of how it was built to be fast and stuff which I've read it's very interesting. Oh yeah definitely like the yeah it's like the whole concept of like, oh, this track's fast. Like, well, like with like indoor tracks having all the hydraulics and everything, and like people even recently saying, oh, okay, the Tokyo track is fast. That's it's just an interesting like to see how technology is like impacted this stuff. But yeah, that I'll check out that article because that seems really cool. Um, yeah, okay. So going more um, present day, I guess. Um, talking about the Olympic trials, which happened. Uh, in June, which is a super, like, ama- like, this is probably my favorite meet to watch, because, like, it's, like, everyone, like, you've just been following everyone's build-up, um, and they're all coming together to race in, at Hayward, uh, super exciting meet, like I said, and I believe you ran, uh, 337.76 in the 1500, which was just off the automatic Olympic trials qualifying time standard, uh, of 337.5, so, you got in just a few days before the trials uh, started. So how did that go for you? Like, were you prepared for that? Were you anticipating getting in? Had you done like workouts? How was that? Yeah. I mean, I, I was still, I was still going along. I like, you know, I was, I was obviously disappointed to not get the automatic standard and I, I didn't try not to get my expectations up too much. Cause I knew that there were a lot of guys that did have the automatic standard and I wasn't sure how many would scratch. And it just ended up like being as close as it possibly possibly could be. Just got got a little bit lucky that you know some people scratched, and I think Donovan Brazier was the last one that tipped it over the edge and gave me the call two days two days before from Marcus that said like ah yeah get your bags packed you're going back to back to Eugene. Um, so I, w- I I would say I was prepared. I wasn't like you know I wasn't necessarily anticipating it. And when I got the call, I went to the track and did a little prep, some light two hundreds, and went to the airport. Got there after midnight West Coast time, uh, like. But I had a day between that and the, and the race, so I was able to adjust a little bit. But 
Um, that, not, not ideal scenario, but I mean, I was, I was happy to be there and I was ready to compete. And unfortunately the result wasn't what I was hoping for. I definitely got, got smoked a little bit in that first round. Um, and we were in a slower heat. So, uh, that was unfortunate, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that I was there, you know, for three years from now when hopefully I can go back and, and perform well and remember the experience and it'll help me, help me do better in the future. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just, just talk a little bit about like the, like how, like the whole like rounds works. Uh, I was thinking, so like if, if the second heat sees that, like the first heat went out slow and they, they got like a slow race. I feel like they should do something where it's like, I don't know, in the call room. Can you see like, are there like TVs or something where you can see what the previous race ran? Yeah. Like what if they just like block that all out for it to be like even and just like running your own race? I don't know. How, how is that like? Like, can you see like what the other guys are running? Yeah. So uh, I don't know how familiar you are or, or your listeners would be with uh, like the new Hayward, but there's like basically an underground facility. There's like 150 meters straight away where you warm up for like all the running events on the track. There's also like underground like uh, pits and stuff for field events. But for us, like we were on the, the straightaway doing strides and stuff and they have a TV in there. Um, so I knew like from NCAA as I remember watching the first heat. So I knew the next two heats would be watching us. And it was just unfortunate. It was the perfect storm of not running my best and being toward the back. And also our heat happened to be slow. Um, not many people get eliminated in the first round. Uh, and unfortunately I was one of them, but yeah, it's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point. I've heard people talk about like trying to blind heats to each other. And I know the commentator in the Olympics was talking about uh, his opinion being that there shouldn't be uh, time qualifiers, or they should make sure that uh, the heats are somewhat blind to the results of the others. I I don't know how realistic that is when, especially when you have fans back in the stands yeah. that could theoretically just yell out whatever the time was from the from the previous heat. But I, I think right now that's just kind of part of the game. So you have to be trying to get an automatic qualifier and not banking on the uh, on the time qualifiers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, like even in the Olympics, something similar happened. Like I think, yeah, yeah. In the first round, Josh Kerr had just missed the like the last big cue, and the broadcast they showed Stuart McSwain before his race, and I think they mentioned how the people in that heat might be aware of the previous heat's results. I was just thinking, like, hmm, what if they were blind to the to the results? But yeah, I can definitely see. Yeah, like fans could easily yell it, but it's just an interesting thing to think about um but yeah back to the trials uh how was the whole hayward field experience like uh because like obviously eugene is such a big uh like I such an iconic place in the running world um how was that like you probably raced there a number of times and how was just racing the extremely competitive field um like yeah, I, I, the stadium's cool. I was there three times this year, and I had actually never been before. I'd never been to the old ones. This is the only Hayward Field that I know. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool, and all three times were great fields. You know, it was the regular season meet. There was essentially a bunch of Oregon guys, Ryan Adams, uh, some others, and then me and Sean. Then it was the NCAA prelims, which obviously was a great field as well, and then the, and then the trials. I remember showing up the trials, and Hobbs Kessler was in my heat, and was kind of getting some secondhand clout just from like being lined up next to him on the starting line, follow him. The cameras would be on him. And I just like waved my family, like behind him, like over his shoulder. Um, 
but that that kind of thing was cool you know that there there's like somebody with a story in your heat and it's probably not you so (laughs) gotta gotta do what you can but it's yeah everybody that you that you read about that you watch that you watch races during the season like everybody's there you know you walk in you see all these different big clubs with their warm-up areas you know the bowermans the otcs um the reebok group the you know all those guys like they're they're all around and um yeah, you kind of just have to put that out of your mind for a little bit to to focus on what you're doing and, and not get not get starstruck. And as I continue my running career, I mean, I'm sure I'll get over that uh, even more. But it was uh, it was different for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, I know we were talking about this a little bit before, but um, like like you said, like they have those underground facilities uh, where you guys are waiting to race. They even panned over to it like a few times during the trials. Um, so like in that mix zone area, are you guys like talk, are you talking to your competitors or is it like, just like, like you guys are all in the zone, just wearing like headphones and just like getting ready to race? Yeah. You know, there are some people that go either way. I think, I think that you have some people who are, are a little bit more lighthearted about the sport and they know that they can go out there and lock in and compete and they don't have to be like a robot, uh, you know, the hour before the race. And then there are other people that, you know are completely locked in and they're doing their own thing. Um, some people, you know, put completely change personalities a year, uh, uh, an hour before the race. So you never know. But for me personally, like, you know, I'm willing to chat and like, and you know, the exchange light conversation, not necessarily engage in like an intellectual conversation before the race, but it helps me from getting too nervous to like, you know, realize that, you know, this is a, this is going to be a, this is a fun experience. I'm not out here like, I'm not a cyborg that's just like going out there to try to, you know, see it, see how fast I can run. There, there are other parts to it too that include, you know, just enjoying myself and uh, enjoying the competition and, and stuff like that. So I try to, I try to relax a little bit and just take in every part of the experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's super important. I feel like uh, when you're going into these like big races uh yeah so in okay yeah so oh this is like totally just shifting the topic but um did you watch the olympics this past month or no you probably you obviously did but of course of course yeah yeah uh how was that uh watching it and what races were you like especially like excited for yeah i mean obviously the 1500 uh you know i was excited for having been a part of the trials and i was interested to see how all of our how all of our guys would do um i was interested in safan's triple i thought that was going to be really interesting the faith cape yegan uh when the 1500 was cool i loved watching them both marathons seeing molly seidel uh take bronze and kipchoge is just always fun to watch it's just such a such a beautiful runner uh it's such like a cool thing to see him dominate a race like that and then I don't know. I guess like the team tactics from Uganda in the 5k where they said, I surmise they, they sent a guy out front to run hard and help chef the guy win. There were so many interesting storylines on the track. And then, you know, in the field, I think one of my favorite parts of the trials outside of racing was watching Javon Harrison high jump. So I, I enjoyed, you know, kind of following the high jump and following him in the high jump, long jump double. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All of those races that you mentioned were just like so exciting to watch. Did you watch? Were you watching them live or like? Because I know Eastern Time, it was pretty like pretty early. Not 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 compared to the West Coast, obviously, but 
like I, I woke up for like the 10k and like the, the, like I woke up for the races that like I was really excited about. Uh, yeah, those are just, yeah. Like, what was your schedule like? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily getting myself up early. I was trying, trying to get my sleep, but I would wake up, not look at my phone and go on NBC's website to the stream and kind of just like try not to look and like scroll back to wherever like the beginning was and scroll slowly until I got to races that I was interested in without, with trying not to see the results. I would make sure that nobody was telling me about them and, and just kind of spend the first half hour of my morning going back and watching the races that I wanted to watch from Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did that a few of the days, like looking at the website. Yeah. And then they break it down into like the events. So on the, on the website. So that was definitely helpful sometimes. And yeah, talking about like the, the, the 1500, um, like, and like obviously other events as well. I just feel like th- there was so much anticipation and, and like storylines leading up to the finals. Uh, so yeah, it was this is my first time like watching the Olympics as a track fan uh, because in 2016 it was a little before I got into running uh, seriously. So it was so cool to just watch all those uh, events taking place and just seeing everyone from around the world coming together to compete. And also, oh yeah, I just want to add like seeing like we've obviously had like a huge like trend of content and like content creation in the running world like grant fisher has his podcast so hearing his thoughts uh, about his 10k race after the fact was super cool to hear uh clayton murphy has all of his youtube videos so seeing that like seeing the behind the scenes of some of the olympic experience was really cool so yeah overall i'd say like these past few months have been like amazing as a running fan yeah yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting time. You know, it doesn't come around very often and there's the world champs obviously, but nothing is the same as the, as the Olympic year, the Olympic year summer. Yeah, definitely. World championships are going to be exciting next year in Eugene. Uh, that's going to be really cool. Uh, excited for that. But yeah, Olympics are just huge. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, now talking about like little post-collegiate stuff. Uh, so you wrapped up like your Villanova, uh, experience recently um, as uh, as an athlete, um, but you've run like a number of road races recently. I've seen um, what what's that experience like? Because like um, I know road races, like you you race the mile in the road race uh, or in the ones that you've done at least, um, and you've also done that on the track. But like, how how do they differ, and how does your like strategy going into each of them uh, differ? Yeah, it's, I mean, they've all been, they've all been interesting and different. So I was in, first I was in Northern Michigan for the Ryan Shea mile, really cool event, awesome town. They had a, like their Venetian festival, which is like a really big festival with fireworks at night. And, um, everyone's out on their boats in the, in the Marina and it poured rain that morning, which was interesting. Uh, but luckily they, they were able to get the race off. And I was able to win that one. It was uh, maybe a smaller field than they would normally have, but that was an awesome first uh, road running experience. And the thing about road racing is it's not like the courses can all be different. So the Ryan Shea mile, it was pretty much like it was mostly flat and then like a short and steep downhill at like a quarter mile to go, which was very interesting. Um, So I basically like they were telling me, you know, sometimes people downshift on this little downhill. And I, I mean, I just accelerated into it and kind of challenged people to, to go with me on that and, Definitely felt it at the bottom, but was able to pull through there. And then in Cleveland, like, there was a really deep field there. You know, Johnny Gregoric, Colby Alexander, Vinciotti, 
Um, that one was uh, 300 meters flat, 500 meters slightly uphill, and then the second 800 was all like slightly downhill. And that just went ridiculously fast. Like the first 800 was uphill and we went out in like 156. And then Johnny Gregoric won in 349. I I, I ran 351. Okay, yeah. I saw the results for that. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. That was a fast race. Yeah, so that was awesome. And that one ended in front of the Indian Stadium. And... Uh, then outside of racing too, um, and then obviously I was in Brooklyn this past weekend, which was fun. Outside of racing, everything has been a different experience. Like we had host families in Northern Michigan, which was really fun. Like they took me out on their boat, and you know I got to like kind of hang out with them and experience what a day in in Charlevoix, Michigan, was like. Then in Cleveland, we all stayed in a hostel together, so it's kind of just an environment where we we're getting to know all the other athletes. Um, there are no TVs. There's a big like common area, living room and kitchen. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And then in Brooklyn, I stayed with an old friend, uh, Louis Vasquez, who's going to be the coach at, uh, UMass Lowell, um, assistant coach there pretty soon. So I kind of had a different outside of the event experience at every one. And then the one tonight is close to home. So it's really a lot of friends and family there and, um, that'll be fun. And that's on the track. So yeah, every race is really different. Um, but the road racing scene, I would almost call it like the, equivalent uh, the equivalent of like a basketball pickup game for running but with some money on the line like the competitors are warming up together and you're kind of like chatting you know there might be some like trash talking whatever for from you know people who know each other and then you go out there and race and then afterwards you go you know uh you go out to like a a post-race party or something like that it's uh it's a cool you know summer vibe racing experience oh yeah definitely i i went to fifth of uh like two uh let's see two yeah two years ago uh and like that race oh my like the crowd the crowd surrounding that and then also just like just seeing everyone just sprinting through the final straightaway uh nick willis won that year uh seeing all the great runners there and um yeah just seeing all that on like a like on a street in new york city was so exciting uh yeah yeah no definitely and it's also super cool to hear like all the stories surrounding the, like beside the actual race, like I'd heard this, like people mentioning like host families, like relating to like Falmouth mile and like all of these things. But I, I wasn't really sure like what that was about. So it's super cool to hear like all those other stories uh, besides the actual race. Uh, I want to quickly ask about like the, so you said the Ryan Shea mile, which was like your first uh, or one of your first post collegiate races. Um, Like I saw a quick click click, a quick clip of that on like their Twitter and it seemed like it was like pouring like rain. So for races like that, when it's just like, all right, these conditions are really bad. Like, how do you go into that? Because you're not racing for like a, you're not trying to go for any like three fifty miles for those, but you're just going to race yeah. and compete. How, how, like, how did that, how was that like relating to your like mindset and stuff? Yeah. I mean, personally, I just, I love when conditions are bad. I think that it just favors the, like the strong minded. And if you can, if you can handle it well, you're at an advantage. Basically they had an indoor spot for us to kind of warm up and we went out for a short jog, but just wore like a rain jacket and then changed clothes when I came back in, um, tried to stay inside as much as possible. And wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking about how fast we were going to run. I was just thinking about, you know, how am I going to win this race? Um, and as with, you know, all the races in tough conditions, you just have to uh, to manage it as best you can. So they were going to bring us up to the start. Like we were, we met near the finish. They were going to bring us up to the start in the back of an open bed truck. 
but uh, they also had like a covered golf cart that we ended up hopping in uh, at the last minute. So we did that. Um, there were some jokes that the covered golf cart couldn't go over 15 miles an hour. So it was going to be able to keep up with the race, but luckily it was okay. Um, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was pouring, especially for the men's race. I think it let up a little bit toward the end of the women's race, which was before us, but it was, uh, it was unique. Definitely. Um, stepped in some puddles, but it's all good. And then that was really the only time the entire weekend that it was raining. The rest of the weekend was absolutely beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that. Like that, like that mindset, like I like when the conditions are bad. Like recently we saw that in like the Olympic marathon, like, you know, let's run article by Jonathan Gall. I read that Mike Smith, Galen Rupp's coach said that they, they prefer these harsh conditions. They're like, they favor these like adverse conditions because it's like, it's like, they feel like they can be the best in it. Um, and like they can compete. Uh, so yeah, I really like that. That mindset's really amazing. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, that, that seems super cool. That race, uh, congratulations on that win. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we were talking about, uh, you said that you have a race later today. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And yeah, it's close to home. So what are some of your goals? This is probably going to go up a bit after the race. Um, but yeah. So what are you looking forward to that? um, specific race? Yeah. So this is a three day stretch where tonight I have this meet in Westchester. And then on Saturday, I'm going down to Memphis to race a 1500, uh, tonight in Westchester. I mean, in the past, they've had some great fields there, uh, for the mile. I think this, it's not quite as deep as it has been in the past, but they have a pacer and hopefully, you know, I can get under four minutes and, and, uh, ideally take a win in front of some, uh, friends and family and really just, kind of have fun and, and feel feel good and fit and then on saturday go down to memphis and i think there are like six guys in that race that made the finals of the trials um and kind of just see what i have in the tank two days later uh, i'm kind of i kind of did like a mini rebuild after the trials because i was feeling a little bit burnt out but i mean i'm feeling good and i think this will be a fun test for myself because obviously in the major championships you're running rounds uh, so it's an interesting exercise to do two races in, in three days like this, even if, you know, I have a flight in between the two. Yeah. Yeah. No, de definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For, for me, like the, the, the extent of like running back-to-back -back races has just been like dual meets or like stuff like that, just running several events. But, uh, yeah. W what are some of your like go-to recovery things to do between the races because in like rounds, because you obviously have to be at your best, like, fitness and like level of running to, to run like all those races. So how, how are yeah. you, how are you planning on recovering between those, uh, races? Yeah. I mean, in college, I would, I would lean on our like training staff a little bit. Kaylee, who was our trainer, I would have her maybe give me a flush, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, maybe more on my own this time, unless I, I figure something out, but, uh, I'd say, you know, I would, put some electrolyte powder in a drink and probably drink that shortly after and get some kind of food in my body. I'm not, I'm not incredibly picky about what I eat after a race, but I do think it's important to get something in. So I'll probably have like a small dinner in the next like couple hours race at eight. And then I think the hotel that's sponsoring the meet has some like, you know, pizza and, and, and stuff and uh, probably make an appearance there, talk to some people, get something to eat. Then get home later and before bed, do a little like foam rolling and stretching um, to kind of 
cool down. I mean, I'll cool down after the race, but to kind of, you know, get my body ready for bed and try to activate that recovery process, like through the night, just to see how, how fresh I can get myself back to. Yeah. 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 Good luck for those races. It seems like really just like racing is like probably one of my favorite parts of the sport. I I really like training as well, but like just having all those back-to-back races seems very exciting. So yeah, good luck for that. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, now just like to wrap things up, uh, for these next few months, um, yeah. What are your goals, um, for, for the sport? Um, and yeah. What does your schedule look like? Uh, more like more long-term. Yeah, I guess I'll start with my immediate schedule. I have these two races and then I'm, uh, I'm going out to Yakima in Washington. I had a few friends that just moved to Seattle, so I'll stay with them and then kind of road trip out there, stop over in, in Boulder and Denver on the way back to see some of them. Uh, and then kind of enjoy probably a few weeks off in, in September, uh, to maybe play some golf, uh, go bowling. I'm, I'm really into bowling, or at least I have been for, for spurts of time throughout my last few years. Um, that's, that's kind of how I just enjoy my off time. Then, uh, well, I'm actually finishing my master's as of Sunday. So my master's degree will be done by the end of this week. This is a huge week for me. Final presentation, final paper, three races. Yeah. Busy, busy week, but yeah, I guess long-term, I mean, I'm looking at trying to like get into a training group and like hopefully get a sponsor. I'd, I'd love if that worked out. Um, I'm working with Ray Flynn now as of a couple of weeks ago and trying to get something there. And regardless, I know, I know that I have a future in this sport, whether, whether that be, you know, more formally with a group and, and possibly a sponsor or, um, me trying to figure it out, um, and, and work and, and move toward my goals that way. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of living, I'm kind of living day to day, week to week right now. I'm not trying not to think too far ahead. And, um, I'm just trying to stay excited about what the future holds. Cause I'm excited about the present. So why shouldn't I be excited about the future? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, good luck for those, uh, for these next few, uh, for these next few months and obviously in the future. And yeah, good luck with that final presentation that you got. Uh, and all these th- this week seems like a pretty packed week. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Th- uh, thank you so much for, uh, taking the time to, uh, like talk, talk on this podcast today. Uh, really appreciate like all the stuff that you shared, the, the behind the scenes of all those races, uh, and talking a little bit about the Villanova experience. Yeah. Uh, this was a great episode. Uh, and yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. So.